Okay. Well, it's a, it's, um, a heavy, heavy talk tonight, but also if you're saved and you know Jesus and you believe in the power of his blood, this is a very important talk tonight. Um, hopefully what happens from tonight is, uh, two things will happen tonight. You will, um, get saved for the first time, which would be amazing, right? And, or you will understand how important it is to um, witness to people because hell is such a horrible place to go. And so tonight we're, we'll talk about eternity and hell. And I will try to do my best with scriptures included um, to unfold the mysteries of eternity and, and what it's like. Um, we will have a time at the end for some Q&A as well. So as I'm speaking, you can come think of any questions you might have. I'll try my best to answer them. Um, and this topic of eternity and heaven and hell started for, with me a few years ago. I, and the journey started really simply like this. I was on YouTube in my office here at the church. And if you hop on YouTube and you sign in to YouTube, it will get used to the videos you watch. And it becomes intuitive. Has anybody experienced this? And this little button will pop up or this little sentence will pop up that says, videos you might like. Has anybody ever seen that? Did that happen to me? And this video popped up and it said 23 minutes in hell. And it was like a 35-minute um, message. It was, a, it was a video of a guy preaching at a church. And I was like, 23 minutes in hell. I've never seen or heard of anything like that before. So I was very curious. So I, I watched it and I was blown away at what this man was talking about. And then I started doing a, a real search and a deep dive and it started recommending more videos to me because I watched that one. And I learned a lot about eternity and I learned that there's a lot of fakes out there who say they've died and gone to some sort of eternal destination and and they really haven't. They're just deceiving people and, and things like that. And you can spot the fakes. And I'll teach you a little bit about why they're fake and what makes them fake. And you can be, um, you know, uh, weary of, of certain people who claim they've gone and passed on into eternity. There's things out there called near-death experiences. And that's when people actually die from, uh, right here. They will actually die, but then they're resuscitated back to life. And they actually experience an afterlife eternal experience, but then they're brought back. They're resuscitated. This actually happens a whole lot more right now because of our modern technology and medicine that's available to us. People are brought back to life actually all the time. Not all of them experience anything. They just thought they were you didn't, they didn't know really what happened, right? They just blacked out and came back and the whole, everybody told them you died. you you know, your heart stopped or people are on their uh, surgical table and their heart will stop. And then the, the doctors will bring them back to life and then continue the surgery happens all the time in modern day medicine. Some people see eternity. Some people don't. Some people are deceived as they see eternity. Others aren't. But at the end of the message tonight, I'm going to share a story, true story of an atheist who died. And um, he died from drinking bad water from Mexico. And I'll tell you the story of what he experienced. 
But before we get there, I've got lots to talk about, and then we'll t- do a Q&A at the end. Does that sound good? All right. So, eternity. What a weird idea. Some people in the world, maybe most people in the world, believe that really eternity doesn't exist, that when you die, it's, it's nothingness. Um, it, 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 you cease to exist completely. Um, this theory is called the annihilation theory. Um, you're just a, you are at this point in your life, just a hunk of meat. And so when you die, you're just a dead hunk of meat. That's it. Nothing happens to you. Um, you'll, you'll, you're just, you're just, that's it, right? You're, you're done. Nothing, nothingness. It's kind of like going to sleep and not really remembering anything. Well, that's a deception from below. That's a deception from below, from the devil and his demons. Because eternity exists. Eternity exists because God can only author life. Okay? He cannot take life away. God, we serve a creator. Nowhere in scripture will you find the words, God is a destroyer. Or God is an ender of things. He speaks and things are created. Has, has Jesus or God ever spoken to you very few words and it was like a book unfolded to you of, of knowledge and revelation and you knew exactly what to do? Has anybody ever happened to that? God is a creator. When he speaks, things are created. When he creates something, it can never end. It will last forever. It's, it's his nature. It's who he is. He's a life giver. So eternity exists because you can never be destroyed. He created you, you see. So you're a part of his law. There's laws. And God is holy, loving, kind, merciful, just. He's a creator. You're created by him. You will not be annihilated into nothingness. You will live forever because of the laws set by God. If God says it, then it happens. That's it. Nothing can change it, no matter what mortal being that God himself created may say. All right? So this is why eternity exists. It's because God cannot take you away. You have to exist forever. You will live forever, and there are only two places that you will go, heaven or hell. Currently, right now, both heaven and hell are just holding places. When hell is, will eventually be thrown into their final destination, which is actually called the lake of fire. Heaven is just a holding place. For what? God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth, and he talks about what that's actually going to look like, the size of it and everything, and you'll come down from heaven and rule and reign on a brand new earth. So both places right now are currently just holding places. So if you die before Jesus returns, you'll go to heaven or hell, and you'll be there until the next destination for you. Do you understand that? That's just kind of how it works. Mark 12, verse 27 says this, to prove my point. It says, so he is the God of the living, not the dead. You have made a serious error. And this is, this is Jesus talking. He's the God of the living, not the dead. You see, it's, it's a law. That's a law. It cannot be broken. It cannot be changed. God, is, that God has said it. It is done. So there. He's the God of the living, not the dead. You're either going to live forever in paradise or you're going to live forever in hell. Um, Ezekiel 32, 17 through 32. I'm not going to read the whole thing, though talks of nations going down into the pit because of the terror they struck into the hearts 
of people everywhere. So in that book, Ezekiel's saying in chapter 32 that there's nations like Egypt for the terror that they caused on people of, of the world, they will fall down into a pit and they will live with the, with the people that they themselves were most alike or most common with. They will fall down into a pit to be tortured for forever. And so part of hell, there's many parts of hell. One part of hell is called a pit, a bottomless pit. Has anybody ever heard of a bottomless pit? And so essentially, it's exactly what it is. It's a place in hell where there is a, a bottomless pit, and there is souls. You've got to think of it. It's, it's a bottomless pit. Obviously, it's a big circle, and so there's walls. And so it spirals down, and there's prison cells along the walls that spiral down and down and down and down forever. And Ezekiel 32 talks about many nations going down into the bottomless pit to be there forever because we serve a God of the living, not the dead. See, God, if he creates something, he takes care of it for forever, okay? So God's going to take care of you forever. There's a place that you will go to forever, hopefully heaven. But if you go to heaven, he's going to take care of you forever because he's a God of the living, not the dead. So he's your God, right? But if you go to hell, you'll be taken care of there forever too, just not in a way you want. So why does hell exist? Well, hell was created specifically um, for Lucifer and one-third of the angels that took Lucifer's side. See, Lucifer, you got to understand, he tried to use the laws of God against him by rebelling. Knowing that God cannot destroy life, but only create life, he decided to usurp God's throne and put himself on the throne instead because what could God do? He can't destroy me. God can't kill. It's against his nature. So this is how Lucifer thought. This is how it happened. Well, God is what I like to call perfectly perfect, and he created a place called hell, and through Lucifer and his angels out of heaven into hell and made it what the Bible says a gulf fixed, which is two words to describe that people in hell will never be able to get to heaven and people in heaven will never be able to get to hell. There is a gulf fixed between heaven and hell. So when they were cast out of heaven, which Lucifer didn't see coming, you see, he thought, since God can't destroy me, I'll take his place. He'll have, to be, he'll have to be okay with it. And this is how people still think today. Um, and, but God threw him out of hell. And um, since he's perfectly perfect, he created a place called hell through Lucifer into it with a gulf fixed, not realizing the mistake Lucifer had made by rebelling against God and trying to use his attributes against him. He, Lucifer, was kicked out of heaven. And see, God, see, the same tactics Lucifer used against God, he sows that same deceit into the hearts of man today. You see, man today will say, if God is good, then why doesn't he do this? Right? Oh God, you're, if, you're, if your attributes are this, then do this for me. Or they question him. 
God, if you're so good, why is there evil? God, if you're so good, why is there sickness? God, if you're so good, why, why was I treated so badly? Why did my parents hate me so much? God, if you're so good, why did all this happen? And here you are doing the same thing <laughs> that Lucifer did to God, which is, God, if you see who you are, then, get out, then step out of the way and do something. Do, do this for me. Let me rule and reign. You see? So that's deception from below. And so hell was created for Lucifer and his demons. It was actually never created for human beings. Okay? You are never created as a human. Human beings are not created for hell. So why do humans go to hell? Humans were created originally by God. If you think of Adam and Eve, they were created to never die. So they weren't created to die. You were not created to die. And you still don't technically die. Your life doesn't die. Death is interesting. How would you describe death? Well, I would say it's like this. If you are sitting in your seat right there and something hap- just happened to you, let's just say a heart attack, I'm not speaking anything into existence or anything like that. We would watch you fall over, but you would literally sit there and then look and see that your bodies, what's, what am I doing there beside myself? And you would watch panic happening around you and you'd go, what just happened to me? You'd, be, you'd live. You see? That's how death works. Isn't that strange? So you don't die. You live to live. You're going to go from this life to the next life without even realizing it. All right? So why do humans go to hell? Well, humans were created to never die, so they were not intentionally <laughs> created to go to hell. They were created to live in paradise with God. That's how we were created. Okay? But sin entered the land. It caused Death. Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So because Adam and Eve sinned, death entered the land. So, okay, now we have an issue. Now we've got a problem. The same thing happened with God and Lucifer. God says, okay, now we have a problem. How do I fix this? Sin enters the land. God says, all right, how do I fix this? Well, so what is God going to do? Because he can't end life, but it lives forever. But the wages of sin is death. Humans then were sent to hell for rejecting God and his ways. Same place that Lucifer and his demons went to. It's the same place that a sinner goes to. It's the place designed for those who reject God and his ways. See, does it make sense now? Okay. So what happens now? So God then takes away the tree of life and the tree of knowledge because humanity is corrupted by their own decisions and their own free will. God ascends into heaven because he cannot exist with sin in the world now. And the devil, right? The devil rules the earth, the Bible says. He cannot exist now with the devil and with sin. And So the devil rules and roams the earth to deceive as many as possible, to deny the goodness of God and the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. You see, this world was created and God was living in this world originally, but now he cannot live here. He ascends. He ascends. So now we live here. And so what happens now? Now there's, now you either go down to hell or up to heaven. You see, this is how the universe, this is how the world works. The universe operates now. So this is, he's solving problems as he's going along. Now, 
God is, I always like to say this, God is perfectly perfect because of this. He rules and reigns over a people whom he has given total free will to. So why did God put the tree of life and the tree of knowledge in the garden, giving humans a chance to ruin it all? Why? The, the, he, he rules and reigns perfectly perfect over a people whom have free will. God takes wrong decisions made by humans and works them out perfectly perfect for your life. That's a perfectly perfect God, okay? So, God is the author of all things, but that does not mean he authored all effects. You understand that? He's authored you, he's created you, he's spoken things into existence, and you, my friend, have the gift of free will, which is one of the greatest acts of love ever that can be given the, the, one of the greatest acts of love that can be given is the idea of free will. You can turn your back on God anytime you want, or you can accept God anytime you want. One of the greatest acts of love of a ruler that he could ever give. So, if you decide to deny Jesus, it's your choice, and you will be judged by your own actions and your own words. You see, you are frustrated with God. You're, you're mad at God about something. You're questioning God. How could a ruler be like this? How could he be so kind? Why does this happen? The idea for you to question him without him stepping in is an act of love on his part. And you will be greeted with that. When you die, and if you've denied God and denied his goodness and denied his son, that's one of the first things he'll show you is how beautiful it was, the idea of free will he gave you, and he didn't strike you down with the curses you gave him, even though you're breathing the very breath that he breathed into you, which is a gift. So the very gift he gave you, you curse him with it, and all your words, he will say, my act, my greatest, one of my greatest gifts to you is free will, and how did you use it? You cursed me. What do you say to your creator? I'm sorry, but it's too late at that point. You see how perfectly perfect God truly is. He doesn't have to judge your own words and your own actions. Judge yourself. So if you decide to deny Jesus, it's your choice. You're judged by your own actions. You see, a cruel and ruthless ruler who is not perfect will force his people to serve him and love him. You see that? You see that? Why is there evil in the world? It's because people have free will and they decide to be mean and cruel and wicked and hate-filled and evil. They've decided to do it, even though their creator doesn't like it, right? So, but a, a cruel and ruthless ruler who is not perfect will force his people to serve him and love him, but that's not love. So anyone who rejects God is rejecting the one who has shown them the greatest love by giving them life and free will to love him back. Isn't that amazing what God has done for us? So what is hell like? Hell, let me sum it up to you and, and just quickly here with 
descriptions of hell. Well, Jesus said it's actually, it's filthy compared to like a sewer, an actual sewer where, where feces go into. Filthy like a sewer, smoke-filled environment, uh, demons everywhere, hate-filled environment, unbearable heat. You will have absolutely no strength down there. Tortured constantly, no death to escape the torment, which, by the way, proves that death is a gift from God. A small gift, because is an escape for people at times who are in serious sickness and pain. But imagine going to hell and being in extreme pain with never the hope of death. Hmm, sounds horrible, doesn't it? Are you happy today? You're happier now, aren't you? Yeah. See how eternity, the, the, knowing about eternity makes your life, you, you a happier individual in this world, and you are more in love with God, and then care about pe- other people's souls as well. So this is good stuff. So uh, let's continue on here. Um, no death to escape the torment. There's no water, but you will have extreme thirst. Uh, pitch black. Hmm. Fire. Millions of people screaming and burning. Screams so loud, it's deafening. Thoughts of loved ones back on earth torment you. Total isolation. You will never talk to another human being ever again. Extreme stench so foul and putrid. No oxygen, so there's a constant torment of suffocation. You will never sleep or rest in eternity. That's both heaven and hell. But in hell, you're going to want to sleep. In heaven, you won't want to. So no sleep or rest. Extreme hunger. Fear is overwhelming. Maggots crawling all over you. Extremely scary demons. Hopelessness of eternally being lost in this place. You've made your home with murderers and the worst of sinners. You reap back what you sowed on earth. This is a short description of hell. So why does hell have to be eternal? Which people have a problem with. Even Christians have a problem with this idea of hell being eternal. And especially non-Christians. Well, here's, let me explain to you. I told you I was going to try to explain to you the mysteries, okay? But all this will make you feel more comfortable with the idea of eternity. But why is, does hell have to be eternal? Here's the thing. If hell is not eternal, then people would live extremely wicked knowing that they would eventually make it to heaven no matter what they did. If you were allowed to be free from the torments of hell after serving some set time there, in a thousand years, you'd return to your ways knowing you would just be punished, serve a little time, and be free again. There is no justice in that. Corruption would only beget more corruption unless it's restrained, confined in hell. The eternal design of hell is a perfect design so that man truly understands his life decisions matter. People would reason. This is pe- people would do this. If hell wasn't eternal, people would say this. 70 years of wickedness and lust is worth 200 years of hell, and they will double down on their wickedness. 
People can't be saved by time served in hell because you're only saved by faith. You are not saved by time. You can't. The Bible is so clear on how you're saved. You're not saved by good works. You're not saved by time served anywhere. It's not a jail before. It's not a jail sentence where you can get out. It's, it's eternal. It's more like prison. So is, are you guys understanding how this, how this all is operating and why God is so perfectly perfect? And so if people maybe served, maybe where they went to hell for 200 years, and then Jesus or God was just like, yeah, it's just enough. It's enough. Come up to heaven. What about after 1,000 years in heaven? What would, they would say, they'd look around and go, yeah, those diamonds, maybe I should pocket some. You know, there's the piece of thing. There's something in that guy's house I really want. And they would do what Lucifer did. And they would go against the ways of God. And so now God has a problem. He's got sinners in heaven. What's he going to do again? What's he going to do with that? You see, it has to be eternal and has to be forever. Man has to understand. We have to understand that our life's decisions here on earth have eternal consequences. If it wasn't eternal, you would double down on your wickedness, wouldn't we? Even with it being eternal, we're wicked. there's wickedness everywhere. Because people don't believe it. People don't believe it. Here we go. Are there degrees of punishment in hell? You, th- uh, you reap what you sow, so to speak. Are there, is, is Hitler being tortured more than another individual who, who just lived a good life but, but rejected Jesus? So are there degrees of punishment in hell? And the answer is, yes, there is. Zechariah uh, 1 verse 6 says, We have received what we deserved from the Lord of heaven's armies. He has done what he said he would do. Matthew 10 verse 15. Jesus says this, I tell you the truth. The wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off than such a town on the judgment day. And so we all know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, how God burned it all up. And yes, they are in hell for the wickedness they lived. Okay? But Jesus is looking at this town in particular that just rejected him and said, Sodom and Gomorrah are in a better, going to be in a better place in hell than this, than this town. For the Savior was talking to them face to face, and they kicked him out. Okay? So, there are degrees of punishments in hell. You, you reap what you sow for eternity, and I'll talk about that a little bit more here uh, in a little bit. In a little bit. Um, but where is hell? Where specifically is it? Well, the Bible talks about where it's at. It actually says that hell is actually in the middle of the earth. So it's below your feet right now as we sit here. Psalm 63, verse 9. But those plotting to destroy me will come to ruin. They will go down into the depths of the earth. That's not allegory. That's not poetry. That's very specific. Ezekiel 31, verse 14. says, For all are doomed to die to go into the depths of the earth, they will land in the pit along with everyone else on earth. 
So it's in the middle of the earth. Okay? So is hell an actual literal, literal burning place? Well, parts of it are, yes. And some parts of it um, are not on fire, but every part of it is hotter than you could withstand to be alive in. If it was that hot here um, in this room, you would die from just, you would just melt. You would just melt from the heat. But the, there's not fire in every single inch of hell, but there's heat everywhere because of the fire that is around and in certain spots of hell. But is, there a, is it a hell, a literal burning place? Yes, it is. Psalm 37 verse 20 says, But the wicked will die. The Lord's enemies are like flowers in a field. They will disappear like smoke. Malachi 4 verse 1. The Lord of heaven's army says, The day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. On that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed, roots, branches, and all. Matthew thirteen forty two, And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Luke sixteen twenty four. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. John 15, verse 6. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. So yes, there are other parts of hell where it's described as a, a prison cells. Um, and, and things of that nature as well in hell. Different things are happening in those cells. You're reaping what you're sowing in those prison cells. Um, for the, I believe, the worst of the sinners, I believe that they are burning right now. And then the, those that are um, were not the worst of sinners, other torments are being um, brought upon them by the demons down there. And they are giving back what they sowed in this world. Okay? Um, the punishment is just and right. All right? Uh, do you have a body in hell? How will you be in there? And the answer is yes. You will, you will be yourself. You will have a body. Matthew ten twenty eight says, Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Luke 16, 24, which is a verse I just read, but I'll read it again. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Ugh. I am in anguish in these flames. Will you remember your life on earth while in hell? Yes, you will. That will be part of your torture and torment is you will be forever tormented um, with the idea that your, your family is lost because you know they're lost. You're now there, which is a place that maybe you've denied and told your family it didn't exist. Hell's not real. Don't worry about it. But then you will get there and you will realize this is their fate and I'll never be able to let them know. You will be tormented with the fact of you've, you didn't get a good goodbye. You didn't get a, the right goodbye. Maybe you died in a tragic way. And you never get to, you never got to say goodbye, and you're you're just tormented with the idea that oh no my my spouse thinks I'm I'm fine but I'm not, 
and I, and I can't explain it to them, and I can't tell them, and I never got to say goodbye, and these, this will be part of your torment. And so you, um, yeah. yeah, sounds pretty horrible, doesn't it? Um, are there children in hell or any born mentally disabled? And the answer is no. Second Samuel 12, 22 through 23, David replied, I fasted and wept while the child was alive, for I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when he is dead? Can I bring him back again? I'll go to him one day. Amen? But he cannot return to me. Matthew 18, verse 3. Then he, that's Jesus, said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of God. And of course, Jesus says, the kingdom is made of, of, such, of such as these. And he was pointing to children. Children are everywhere in heaven, especially now more than ever with how many babies have been aborted. They're everywhere. Children are everywhere in heaven. Wonderful stories I'm going to share with you about heaven here in a few weeks. Um, when Jesus is talking about the, the Sermon on the Mount, and he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. He's specifically talking about mentally disabled people, poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are those who are mentally disabled, for heaven is their kingdom. Amen? See, God is just and kind and good and gracious and loving and generous. And when they get to heaven, they will be completely restored and made brand new. They will not be disabled in heaven. Amen? So any of you who have loved ones, like my daughter Charlie with Down syndrome, or somebody in your life who's mentally disabled, don't you worry. You will live forever with them in heaven, and they will be perfectly perfect. You will be for eternity, the years restored. Amen? Isn't that beautiful? Jesus also um, shared a story of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man and Lazarus. You see, there was a rich man. And outside his door, there was a, there was a poor man. His name was Lazarus. And he begged from the rich man. Now, why was he doing this? Why was he doing this? Because according to Jewish law, which was created by God, you could be a beggar for only a few reasons. And, and they were, you had a mental disabilities or you had some sort of injury that did not allow you to work. You could beg. And according to Jewish law, if there were beggars, the Jewish people, you must take care of them. Take care of them. Right? Doesn't that sound like the heart of God? So if somebody is begging, provide for them. So there's only, these are the only kinds of people that are allowed to beg. If you were a perfectly fine man or woman and you were a beggar, yeah, that was not good. You were, nobody was supposed to take care of you. God would not allow that. You'd be judged on that, okay? But, so the rich man and Lazarus, and the, the Bible, Jesus says that the rich man ignored the beggar, ignored him, wouldn't provide for him. They both die. Who's in heaven? Lazarus. Who's in hell? The rich man. And many scholars say that Lazarus most likely was a man with Down syndrome who was unable to work and provide and begged. You see, he was completely restored. And in God good? So there are no children in hell and there's no, no person in hell who was born mentally disabled or somehow became mentally disabled through something or, or, or another. 
Uh, I want to end my talk here with the story of a man named Brian Melvin, who was an atheist, and he died from drinking um, horrible Mexico river water. And then we'll take some questions at the end. Does that sound good? So Brian Melvin is, a, is alive today, and he's not an atheist, okay? He is a born-again, on-fire Christian for God. He lives in Colorado, actually pretty close to Hannah and Jake. And um, he was working in Tucson, Arizona, an atheist. He was um, in his mid to late 20s at the time. And he was an atheist, and he, he really didn't like Christians. And, and I know a lot about him because I read his book, and I've, seen, I've listened to his story numerous times. And he um, made it, one of his goals in life was to just make, embarrass Christians, make them feel dumb, argue with them. This was um, in the early 1980s. So the Jesus movement was, was, had just kind of come into a close, and so... He says constantly, that, especially on Sunday mornings, he would sit in his front porch and just harass the Christians as they went to church, walking down the sidewalk. And um, he believed that in the annihilation theory that you would just be a dead hunk of meat when he died. And he, he not just believed it. Boy, he, it, was his, it was his gospel. That was his thing, you know. And uh, kind of a wicked man. He, he was into drugs. He had bad friends. He stole a lot of money from, from his parents and, and, and um, relatives to buy drugs, and he was a partier and a drinker. And, and so he, he didn't really, obviously he didn't love God. He didn't create a good world around him either. You know, he didn't, he didn't bring life to people. He didn't, he didn't make things bloom in the desert, so to speak. And uh, he was on the job site in Tucson, Arizona. It was really hot. And the, 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 he worked in construction, um, and the, uh, his boss always had a cooler in the back of his truck. And so he's hot, and he stops for a break, and he lifts. He just takes the cooler and pushes that, lifts it up above his head, pushes that button, and the water comes out. And boy, he could tell, filling his mouth up with the water, it just was like gross. And uh, he swallowed it, and then he opened the lid and looked inside, and there was like ooey gooey, crawly, creepy, slimy algae everywhere. And his boss yells out, "Brian, you drink that water? Don't drink that water." He's like, I, I drank it. He's like, my car was overheating when I was camping in Mexico, and I, that was the river water I filled that cooler up with, and I kept pouring it into my radiator. That's just left over from this river in Mexico. He goes, oh, no. Well, he, he ends up getting really sick, real sick. And his, he was living in a house with some guys, and they had, they had planned a big camping trip that weekend and he was not well enough to go and so his friends left and he stayed behind the house and he started having major problems uh cholera he 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 actually got cholera which is a killer disease and um he's laying in his bed boy he can tell he's not doing good he can tell actually that he's gonna die in his house all alone. And he's laying in his bed, and he's feeling horrible. And his dog is, is really not doing well either, a German shepherd, and he was really pacing around a lot, and he couldn't get the dog to settle down, which is stressing him out a little bit more. And then finally, he's laying there, and then all of a sudden, he noticed 
he could see perfect. And he was a glasses wearer, but he wasn't wearing his glasses because he was laying down in bed so sick. And all of a sudden he noticed, oh my gosh, I can see perfect, but I'm not wearing my glasses. And then he noticed he was float, he was floating right up and he's floating above his body. And all this is just wild to him. He didn't believe any of this that he's now experiencing. And his dog is barking and going crazy and he feels perfectly awesome. <laughs> he can see without his glasses. He doesn't feel sick at all. And he looks back and he sees himself laying in the bed and he begins to float up, float up. And he's floating up really slowly. He's going towards his ceiling and he looks and he sees in the fold of paint in his ceiling left by the painter, a dirty thumbprint under a fold of paint in the ceiling above his fan. As he goes up to it, he sees the fingerprint and then he goes through his ceiling and then he notices as he passes through his roof, and this is a flat roof in Tucson, Arizona, and they had water coolers for the for air conditioning units. And he noticed there was a loose bolt on his water cooler as he passed by. <laughs> you're, you are you, my friend. You are you when you die. You know that you're, you're just you. And he floated, and he floated up right out of there, and there was a beam of light way off in the distance. And he went really fast towards it, and then was feet, stand, right feet standing up, and he realized there was a man standing on a rock. Doesn't that sound biblical or what? And this man welcomed him. And <laughs> this man began to show him his life and all the mistakes he had made and everything he said. And this man said to him, and he said, the guy standing on the rock had a, had a big robe on, but he had a hood over his face. And he knew, so you instinctively begin to know things, he was not allowed to look upon this man's face. He wasn't worthy. And this man showed him his life and all the snakes he had made. And he told him, I can't let you in to the paradise behind me because you would corrupt heaven with your sin. And Jesus said these words to him, you will see a land unknown that's best forgotten, but not to be left unseen. He says, this man said, when you go here and you feel overwhelmed, say my name and title. And Brian knew it was Jesus Christ without him even saying anything else. Name and title, Jesus Christ. He said, then Jesus, he realized it was Jesus, reached into his robe and took out a set of keys. And the Bible says that Jesus has the keys of death and hell, doesn't he? He said he took out a set of keys from his robe. And he walked to, over to beside him, and there was a gate that appeared, a very small gate, like a, like a door. And he said he took the key in, and he opened the door. And he stepped back up on his rock, and he ushered Brian over, and he said a force pushed him through the door. And he went inside what he calls a spinning vortex. And he started falling down and down. And as he fell down the spinning vortex, he began to hear, hear cursings and foul languages and all languages, but he understood them. 
he began to smell foul smells. He heard screams and overwhelming amount of slurping and the heat began to hit him very hard. And all of a sudden, boom, he landed with a huge thud in a big field with a house in the distance. And he hit so hard, he said, whoa, that should have killed me. And all of a sudden, people began to ran out of the house from the f- and that was way out in the field. He said it was an old, dilapidated, run-down house, but it looked familiar from something he had experienced in his childhood. And people began to ran, uh, run out of the house, and they were, they, the, the house was far away, but boom, they were on him really quickly. And they, they were right up on him, and they had these eerie smiles on their faces. And they said, welcome, welcome, Brian, we've been waiting for you. And he says, they all looked like people he knew on earth, friends who had died before him, and he knew their names. And he said, you, who, who are you? And he goes, the, he goes I, I know you. And he goes, yeah, but he's in his field, and it feels kind of off, but also doesn't seem like it should be hell at the same time. And he goes, who are you? And he got real close to him. And he looked him in the eyes. He said his eyes were like reptile eyes and, or cat eyes. And um, he says, you're not who you say you are. I don't, I don't like this. And um, he, 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 the, they ran right up to him. And he says, as he began to say, you're not who you say you are, they began to morph into what they really were, which was horrible demons of all sizes. And he felt overwhelmed, and Brian said, Jesus Christ. And when he would say Jesus Christ, they stepped back just a little bit, and that made him really mad. And they started to come at him to get on him and attack him, and he said, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. And he realized when he said Jesus Christ, they couldn't tear him apart like they wanted to. He could tell they wanted to rip his, his flesh apart and rip his body apart. And he said, Jesus Christ, and they, were, they hated it, but all they could do was just, was just poke him, or he said, punch me. He says, and they all started to step back a little bit. And then from among them came a four foot tall demon and approached him. And it said, follow me. It's been appointed unto me to show you hell. And so he's in this field and he, they, the, 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 he says, he calls him a lizard. And he, he began to follow the lizard. He had to. He had no choice. And he says, the, the lizard walked up to the horizon and he says, now, the horizon was important to him because he says when he was alive on earth, he was always chasing the horizon. It was his God. He said, if I could just get to a new horizon, I could be new. I could be made new. I could feel new again. If I could just stand on a mountaintop and look at a, a brand new horizon, I could be made new again. He, he really in a mother nature. And he says, this lizard walked up to the horizon and put his claw through the sky and ripped it all apart. And he says, when he, when he ripped the horizon down, it was like he destroyed my idea of what life was all about. And he's motioned to him to follow him. And he says, they stepped out of where he was in and he looked back and he was in a 10 by 10 foot cube. And it was an illusion of space and time. He was in his prison cell and he began to look around him and he noticed there was millions of prison cells that spiraled up a bottomless pit that went up and down. And he was on a dusty wide road. And the way to hell is broad. And he was on a dusty, hot, wide road. Heat so bad, he said it felt like his eyes would melt out of his head, but there was no relief from, to, to escape the heat. They stepped out of the world he was in. He looked back. He saw that he came out of the 10 by 10 foot cube. He says it was an illusion of space and time. He could see inside this cube and it was a large field with a dilapidated house in it. But when he looked further around it, it was just a 10 by 10 foot cube. 
And the cubes, he says, were stacked six high on top of each other. And they, as they spiraled up and down, and people were inside these cells, each experiencing torment according to what they had sowed on earth. The lies they told people were being told to them in these, in these prison cells. The victims they murdered were now murdering them. The hurtful things they said about people behind their backs were now being spoken to them by demons who were portraying the people that they had spoken bad about. And now the people were speaking it over them right to their face, and they couldn't do anything about it. They were, uh, they were feeling the depression, the rage, and the pain that they caused others is now being poured onto them, and they could now feel all the pain that they had caused others, not even knowing some pain that they had caused others or depression that they had caused in people's lives or the hurt that they had caused in people, the, the young people they had bullied or, or the, the teachers that they, they made fools of in the classroom. All that, it, all that was pushed onto them, and they were feeling it, feeling it. Feeling it. They were reaping what they sowed. I want to tell you a story that might shake you a little bit. But he says, as he saw into the cubes, immediately their life story was downloaded into his mind. He knew, he knew who they were, where they were from, when they died, how they died, and how they lived their life, and why they were being tormented, why they were being tormented. He was given knowledge as soon as he looked upon somebody, which is what happens in eternity. When you're in heaven, you'll, you'll know a family member from long generations ago, and you'll know who they are and why they're your family member and where they're from and their life story, and they'll know you, and you'll have this incredible relationship in heaven. See, in hell, it's the same way. When you see somebody, this is what happens. He saw a man in a cube who, was living, who had lived in the early 1940s, and he worked for the Nazi police. In this cube, he was in his uniform, and the landscape was Europe. When he was alive, he would go about small towns, raping women, killing children, beheading Jews, and there was no recourse for his behavior. Well, now every person he had hurt was doing the same thing to him that he had done to them while he was alive on the earth. He would feel the pain of the mother as she watched her child get shot. He was becoming insane as he was continually beheaded himself, hurt himself, raped himself, and feeling the sorrow and depression of the pain that he had caused on the people that he had, while he, while he was alive in this earth. He finally came upon a cube after many hours. He was dead for a few hours. He finally came upon a cube with nobody in the cube, but demons were waiting in the cube saying, this is your cube, come in. Your time has come. He felt a force drawing him toward his eternal destination designed just for him based on the life that he had lived on earth. His fear was overwhelming. And he just kept saying, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. As they were drawing him into the cube, he began to feel a rumble of the ground and all the demons around him became scared. He thought this must be Satan himself coming to throw me <laughs> into this cube because the demons were so scared of what was coming. The footsteps drew closer and louder, and the land shook with more force, the force, and the demons began all to run away. He was scared to look behind him and see when he felt very strong arms pick him up under his armpits and under the back of his knees, and these very strong arms held him like a baby. In that moment, for the very first time, he felt love, mercy, authority, power, justice, and righteousness overwhelm him. He looked at the man's hands and saw holes in his wrists. And the man looked at him and said, my bones were pulled apart for you. 
He knew it was Jesus, and he began to cry like a child, knowing he was saved from this awful place. They flew up and out of there very quickly. He was taken back to the rock where he first arrived, and Jesus spoke many words to him about his life and how he had to go back and fix things. He saw heaven behind Jesus and a whole world of life, joy, peace, and purpose. He then began to float slowly away from it all as he enjoyed what he was saying, enjoying the peace he was feeling. And he slowly came back down to the earth. He looked and saw his house, and he saw the bolt that was loose. He floated through the roof, once again looked for the fingerprint in the fold of paint, and he saw it. And he went right back into his body, and he woke up sick as a dog. Brian's neighbor just came over and checked on him and rushed into the hospital, and he survived. When Brian came home from the hospital, he wasn't quite sure if what he saw was real or not. (laughs) He knew it was real, but he just couldn't believe it all. So he grabbed a ladder and went to see if that fingerprint was there because he thought for a moment, was it's all just a crazy dream. He climbed the ladder and folded that piece of paint back and there was that brown fingerprint left behind by the painter. And then he climbed on the roof and tightened the bolt on his water cooler. It was real. And he's a very strong Christian today and he's dedicated his entire life to going around preaching and speaking and writing books and telling as many people as possible about Jesus, the Savior of his soul. And he had to get saved just like me and you did. He had to get saved. He he says he had to go forward at an altar call to church and give his life to Jesus. Amen? All right. So that's my my message for today. A few minutes here, we can do a little Q&A. Does anybody have any questions about eternity? Maybe something I didn't touch on or anything like that. Yeah, Joyce. You got a question? Okay. Okay. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I can't answer that question, but I knew I do know that God is perfectly perfect. And and whatever is his lot will be assigned to him perfectly perfect. And you know, you can't personally save anybody, but but he if he's alive, he, there's hope. There's hope. And I would just continue to tell him about Jesus. And I would say that if he's kind of like rejecting the idea of Jesus, like you said. Okay. So we got to pray that maybe God can send some people to him that he, won't re, that he won't reject. Many people reject Jesus until the very end. Thankfully, God will send people to them on their deathbed. People that they will accept because a lot of times you you don't accept the word of a family member. Um, you just there's too much there. 
there's history and things like that, but they'll accept the word of a, of a guest pastor or a guest preacher of some sort, and they'll believe on their deathbed, and they're saved. They're saved. You know, the first man into heavenly paradise was the thief on the cross next to Jesus. That was the first man into heavenly paradise. This was a new paradise created when Jesus died. Brand new heaven was created. He was the first man there. That's pretty weird to think about, isn't it? So there's hope for him. There's hope for him. Amen? Any other questions? Yeah, Dustin? Yeah, the age of accountability isn't clear in Scripture. But you see, um, there's a story of, of, of you know when you're doing something wrong. That, that's when you know. Hmm. And that age is different for every single person. And God knows that. Okay? Does that make sense? Yes, your child knows, but she doesn't understand the blood of Jesus and the justification of her sins. Yeah. So there is an age of accountability that the Bible talks about. Yep. Yeah, follow-up question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's hard to say. Yeah, it's above my pay grade. Yeah. Yeah. So like a, like a mentally disabled person who goes and shoots up a shopping mall and things like that. Yeah, I, honestly, seriously, this is kind of what I believe. And, and, and this is not anywhere in Scripture, so this is hard to just, to just say. But a, a demon will try to infiltrate any house they can. Any house or space they can. A house, your home, your heart, right? They will infiltrate, and they will even, yes, they will. Because there's parents who don't, protect them, their children with prayer and things like that. And, and I believe that it's not necessarily their fault. And their parents will be held accountable for that, honestly. And, you know, those demons will suffer for that, being thrown in the lake of fire. But it's hard to say, you know, they're mentally, uh, and, they, and they, they commit crimes or things of that nature. And it seems horrendous and horrible and, and all that stuff. That, that person knows. Sometimes they're playing a ruse, too. They're not, they're not mentally disabled. They're playing a ruse. They're fooling everybody. It's hard to say, though. You had a, you had a question?
burning in hell forever and ever. And I said, Dad, when, when I get to heaven, I want to know that you're going to be there by those gates waiting for me. And it was, it, I just felt directed of the Lord to just talk to him about hell. Because so often we talk about the gospel and the good news of salvation. But hell is, is, is something to, to flee from and to run into the arms of salvation. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's there waiting for you. And, and heaven is wonderful. They know when you're going to arrive. Your family members know. You'll have a wonderful reunion right away. And everything will be reconciled. And every wrong will be healed and melted away. You'll actually see each other. And your relationship will, oh, no, there's, there's always been stuff. And then all of a sudden, it'll melt away to be remembered no more with perfect communion. Amen? Because we don't always have perfect relationships, even with other Christians. So there's going to be Christians in hell that you might not like <laughs> here on this earth. Well, it'll all be forgiven and reconciled in heaven. You'll have perfect communion, love for one another. All right, we're a little over time, but I'll take one more question. Oh. So Joyce was talking about, you probably heard Joyce's, right? Okay. Yep. Dustin asked a question about mentally disabled people in the age of, age of accountability. When is the age of accountability? And then with each child, it's different because they're, they're, they're smart. Some kids are real smart, right? And their age of accountability is younger than others. And then he talked about mentally disabled people that go and like shoot up things. And are they going to be held accountable for that? That was his question as well. So we'll pass the microphone next time. All right. Okay. That's it. So next week we'll continue. I'm going to do another one on hell next week and then we'll finish with two weeks of heaven. Okay. All right. We'll finish with the good stuff. All right.